I am Erin Patton, metaphysical master in a millennial age, and it is my life's purpose to guide you and organizations along an enlightened path. So I invite you to sit comfortably and tune in as I welcome you to the Meta Business Millennial, where we get the real conversations you won't get in the boardroom so that we understand this is exactly the path we need to be on in order to grow, evolve, and thrive. Greetings. I am Erin Patton, also known as Master L. Welcome to the Meta Business Millennial Podcast. I am here every Monday live at 10 a.m. Central. We're a little bit delayed today because, of course, there are some tech issues and we're just working through them. I hope that you are able to tune in to us every week at the Meta Business Millennial Podcast. Right now I'm doing um, solo podcasts where I'm really channeling messages that are really useful for the collective. And I really feel like today's message is necessary for the collective because there's so much talk about tech. There's so much talk about um, artificial intelligence, and it's really permeating all aspects of society. Society, business, education, you name it, AI is there. Our phones are AI enabled. Like we're always just like super shocked when we're seeing, you know, or, or hearing that our um, that our uh, phones are listening to us. You know, or we go to Instagram and we see advertisements that really are spot on to what we were just talking about with a friend or family member moments ago. So AI is here and generative AI, especially um, that's really focused on just iterating and creating things for us is also here and it's developing rapidly. And I did a poll on Instagram yesterday, which is one reason why I was really focused on getting on Instagram because I really wanted to um, connect with the folks, especially that responded to the poll, because I asked three discrete questions. You know, how when you think of AI, how does it make you feel? Does it make you feel scared? Does it make you feel excited about the future? Or, or is it curious about the possibilities? And I have to say that majority of the folks voted makes them curious about the possibilities. And for me, I feel like it gets me excited about the future because when we're thinking about technology and how technology has rapidly enhanced our just our, our way of living, you know, our way of being just in the past 20 years. I mean, I'm definitely part of the the the, the big earlier millennial class, like I'm like the the original millennial. And, you know, when I think about technology and like when I was, you know, getting on AIM and having to listen to like the dial up trying to get on the Internet and um, and chatting with my friends and Blackberry generation and two way pager generation, you know, this was really a boom in the way we communicated and the way we interacted as people and, you know, People can say all kinds of, I mean, obviously this is a debate. So that's, <laughs> this is a great debate, this human versus AI, this human versus technology piece. And, and so for me, I really feel like there, it's had such a profound impact on how we move, how we breathe, how we operate as human beings on this planet, just the advent of the internet. And it's created an opportunity to really democratize the way we show up in the world. You know, it's really 
democratized media as much as we know that there is still a lot of um planning and control and you know dominant players in media um there still is this opportunity to really be present for example myself right here for you um because of the democratic democratization of the, of the internet and technology and so this is why you know i kind of fundamentally start with that as why i'm so excited about the future of ai and um and takes technology in general because we as especially as conscious human beings as enlightened leaders can really leverage these technologies to support us into the future until we really are able to turn on our human technology <laughs> and and so that's why i kind of wanted to start this conversation because of course as a metaphysical master i talk about sort of the physical physical aspects of the technology and then you know as we start to understand that piece then we can move into the metaphysical aspects of technology which our human bodies are by far the most advanced technology on this planet consciously and so that's a statement that i hope that if nothing else people can leave with in knowing that there is there should never be any fear in thinking about the future, first of all. And second of all, there absolutely shouldn't be fear in things that we are creating as human beings, especially as conscious human beings. So when we're consciously creating things, it's going to have the highest ability. It's going to have the highest um, outcome. And so, um, you know, I really... Um, want to just kind of start there because that feels really good in terms of how we're really going to start showing up for our ourselves with AI. And one of, and I, and I pulled up some notes here that I'm going to reference because I think that they're really great for, for today's podcast. And, you know, I actually was inspired to do this, this topic as I speak to every week, there's just always like a, a inspiration by a Harvard business school article. And I get these emails from Harvard Business School. I'm an alum of Harvard Business School. I went there to get my master's and my MBA, my master's in business administration. And while I was there, I was really focused on social enterprises and essentially how business can do good in the world. And I did that jointly with the Kennedy School as in the public policy program. And I get these emails every week from HBS and they call it working knowledge. And they're really, um, and I, and I, and I say all this because, um, it's really important to, to cite where you get your facts from or, or even your inspiration if it, if it's citable. And the reason why I chose this HBS article is because I feel as if HBS is really, um, the standard, if you will, in business uh, research and business um, news, and people really uh, rely on it as a reputable source. And so when they're speaking to AI, they brought up these points, and I really kind of want to speak to them in this podcast because I believe that they're very salient points around things we should consider when we're thinking about AI technology and our interaction with it excuse me, as business leaders moving into the future. And the first is um, addressing the algorithmic biases. <laughs> addressing the algorithmic biases is super fundamental because when we think about um, the algorithmic biases and, and that which we're, um, what we experience in, in just life in general, when we talk about biases, conscious biases, unconscious biases, these are things that are really programmed since birth. 
and human beings. And human beings are this are the ones that are for now coding these AI. You know, at, at some point they're getting coded by humans. And then of course, maybe AI can develop more AI. However, the initial creator for AI on this in this reality are human beings. And so when we when we talk about biases, biases inherently are our our programs, like who we are. And they come from what we were were raised in, what we were, how we were taught, um, our education, our family backgrounds, our culture, our location in the world. All of these are inputs that form essentially our, our conscious or unconscious biases. And these then get programmed into AI and that, that are called algorithmic biases. So fundamentally, when we're thinking about addressing algorithmic biases, which we are always, you know, in, in, in different circles criticizing social media for because it feels as if the algorithms are always favoring um, destructive content or sexual content or and, and not lifting up positive messages as much, not lifting up, um, you know, pure messages, if you will. And so... This essentially is part of the bias in the algorithm. What do people really, or what are people really attracted to is essentially what's being fed. And what people are attracted to is part of their programming. And when you're finding that more human beings are attracted to, you know, fear-driven things, violence-driven things, then this is a reflection of the collective consciousness. And so that feels and looks like people really... Um, are resonating with the fear frequency or uh, a prejudice or violent or discriminatory frequency. And so that's essentially what we're being fed. And so, you know, I'm speaking to this because it's really a fundamental baseline and foundation and defining of what biases is, particularly in technology. And how you address it is essentially by addressing the people particularly the people who are coding the, the, the tech, who are coding the AI. So if you're wanting to f- have algorithms that are, are more open to essentially using sort of the social media as the example, content that is more high vibes, positive, loving, nurturing, empathetic, then you're going to have to have coders and and developers that embody those frequencies, that embody those characteristics, that embody that to the fullest, because that's what essentially is then fed into the codes, what's fed into the frequency of that, of the AI program or the AI device or the AI technology in general. So when you're thinking about and this is why I get excited about the future, because the nature of my work inherently is about lifting human consciousness, about making us much more um, aware about what we're saying, how we're showing up, what we're doing in the world. And and if we are doing that with more consciousness, and if we are doing that with more empathy or more love, then we certainly are, 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 are not living up to our fullest potential, put it that way. And for us at the meta business world, it's always about acknowledging our fullest potential. And so the other um point that was brought up in the article was addressing algorithmic biases, which we spoke to about the biases, and we can continue to speak about that, and then safeguarding privacy. 
So this is the piece that really, I believe, is is controversial because our privacy and, and all that we are is kind of everywhere. And, you know, when we're thinking about um, how we show up in the world, what we want shared, what we don't want shared, it's very difficult to protect ourselves in that way. And I, the reason why I say it's difficult, you know, and there have been so many people who've taken way deeper dives into this than, than I ever have. Um, however, when we're talking about, um, you know, the nature of, of privacy and not just like, you know, walking down the street and how you dress, et cetera, but on the Internet, this is. It's 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 such a rabbit hole. I really am am having to sit with myself around how much do I care that is known about me out in the world, and I just really have to sit with that as a, as an individual because I honestly am not even sure how much we can stop of ourselves being shared. Um, it feels like every time I'm inputting information into a different app or a different website, there's incredibly long terms and conditions of, and privacy policies that I definitely am not reading. And I don't think that most people are reading. Some people are definitely, um, because I've definitely seen folks out there that are doing that work. <laughs> um, yet it is very, very difficult to have yourself not being monitored. And um, I feel like you know, in this day and time, that really is really incumbent upon us, you know, as conscious beings, as, you know, as individuals to really sit with, are we comfortable with everyone knowing everything about us? And if we're not, what is it that is shameful about that and heal it? And, and that's really how I feel about that. Because, you know, when it comes to being private, you know, only so much of ourselves can be, you know, we're always being seen. And this is really what's, what we're moving into, particularly in this new age, is the ability to be seen, the ability to be known. And that's actually what our soul desires. I mean, that's why we came here to begin with. So when we're thinking about the AI conversation, the technology conversation, privacy, how much are we willing to be seen? And that needs to be a personal question that we ask ourselves and how much we are willing to um of course, share, that's, you know, up to us, you know, willingly. But then at the end of the day, there's aspects that's being shared that we can't control. And are we okay with that? And if we aren't okay, then we definitely have to sit with ourselves and do some of that work of just really coming into like, um, you know, how do does the sharing piece not make me feel good? And, you know, thank you all for Instagram for tuning in because I was really struggling to get, you know, get that set up. So I see people are coming into the room and that makes me feel good. Like it was worth a little bit of the wait. <laughs> and, you know, moving, you know, down the line of, of things in terms of how we're talking about the human versus AI. One of the other things that really came up, the last thing that I really want to speak to is the promotion of transparency, fairness and interpretability. And this kind of moves into a lot of the inclusion conversation that I've had before, because um, this is that's what I spoke to actually last week on the podcast. And and not that I want to kind of continue along those lines, because that, that is not at all like what I represent in terms of my work. 
I, I shouldn't say not at all. It is not the main focus of the, the meta business world work, um, the DNI piece. However, inclusion is essentially inherent in what I do. And so when I think about, you know, making sure that we that we're promoting fairness, that we're um, promoting interpretability, this feels to me like an inclusive a statement of inclusion, a statement of inclusivity. And and that piece is, I believe, we're going to be one of the hardest pieces to really start to integrate as developers, as coders of the AI work, because a lot of the people who even have the skills to do this work are not representative of any communities that are likely needing interpretation. Um, I'm thinking more specifically around, um, you know, deaf, blind, um, uh, physically uh, challenged, you know, these are populations that are oftentimes, I don't want to say left behind, but kind of are, are really not always considered in these kinds of conversations. And, and unfortunately, it's, this is the reality. And interestingly enough, I attended um, a seminar or a talk, if you will, um, hosted by a woman who was a little person and also had extensive experience around um, various um, neurodivergent populations, physically divergent populations. And it was very enlightening to really understand the nuances and how people receive information. And so when we talk about technology, when we talk about AI and making it accessible and interpretable by all people, this piece is going to take a lot of work. This piece is going to require highly conscious individuals and being part of, of the conversations of creation and, and looping in the different populations in which it's going to obviously serve. And I believe like this is the piece that if anyone's talking about the destructive aspect or the fearful aspect of AI and technology, this fundamentally is the piece. Who is sitting in the room when this stuff is being created? And not only who is sitting in the room, what are the intentions of the individuals that are in these rooms creating this technology? And not only what are the intentions of these people in the room, <laughs> What are their goals? Like what 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 will be how will they be rewarded for for doing this work? And so when we're thinking about those parameters, who's in the room, what are their intentions, and what are their incentives for for doing this work, then that is the part I believe that brings a lot of fear and anxiety when if there are fear and anxiety conversations around AI and technology. And I want to just acknowledge that because that's fundamentally what's going to move the needle in terms of the human and AI integration going well, going smoothly, and really having the best outcomes for all people and all human beings. And, and so let's talk about that, because when we're talking about who's in the room, this is where we get into the conversations around some very you know, majority number, 80 to 90% of people who are in developers, who are coders, are either Asian or white male background. And so this is when we're, okay, and, and then of those people, what are their, you know, life stories? Like, what are their, you know, their motivations? You know, is it driven solely by money to make the most money? You know, and if that's the case, then 
these people may not actually be that concerned about the impact it has on humanity. It may just be about how do I, you know, get this cranked out fast enough so I can get my paycheck or I can exit and move on to my next, you know, vision or my next dream. And and so, you know, this is essentially the conversations that I believe most people are having around who is in the room. And when we're talking about the human versus the AI, who are the humans behind the AI? And and I think this is a lot of why um, when we were having conversations around, and I'm just talking about collective conversations around um, cryptocurrency and who's controlling crypto, who who invented it. And it was just like, it came out of nowhere. And we have no idea who's controlling it. And it's meant to be this sort of individualistic operation, but is it really? Is it really? And those are the same questions that people are having around AI. You know, is this really um, an individual or collective? Is it individually serving or is it serving the collective? And and that's really what we want to continue to question ourselves about, um, because as we question as a collective, then that essentially gets picked up energetically by the people who are creating it. You know, that's how movements are really powerful and really created is it's a conscious, a movement of consciousness, not a movement of, you know, protesting in the streets, of screaming and yelling and making signs. You know, as much as we were conditioned and programmed and raised to believe that those kinds of protests mattered, those actually serve us less because it's really pushing against the issue with the same energy that the issue is coming at us with, coming with fear, with anger, with resentment. And so in order to have solutions and really shift narratives around what we desire in this life and for collective individuals, it has to come from a higher place. So it has to come from us sitting and really questioning ourselves, questioning the universe, you know, who's in this room doing, making this technology? How can we make it, you know, more open and accessible to more people? Having these conscious thoughts alone are, are serving the collective because it enables the energy to flow in that direction. The more you, the more you're thinking about it, the more you're talking about it, the more you're talking about it, the more you're seeing news and information about it so you can have even better conversations and more conscious conversations about it and who knows you may end up you know serving on some committee or board that changes the trajectory of ai and that's actually how things work and so i mean i'm gonna start wrapping it up because even though we started a bit late i just i really don't want to keep you guys too much longer in this conversation around ai but i really want us to start thinking about what are our thoughts around AI? If we're concerned about who's in the room, how can we release that fear around it? If we do have it. And if we don't have any fear, how can we imagine people in the room that are really serving us and curious about, get more curious about the possibilities, just like the folks on Instagram polled and show that they're really curious about the, the possibilities. So if you're curious about the possibilities, how can you start to imagine the possibilities? What can AI do to serve humanity until we're able to turn on our own gifts? Because essentially our technology is within. And when I speak about our technology is within, we are, I talk about this every week, part physical, part emotional, part spiritual, soul. 
The spirit soul is our technology, if you will. It is the electricity that keeps us moving and breathing and waking up in the morning and going to sleep at night and still have our body functioning while we're sleeping. That's our technology. And so our spirit technology is growing by the day because that's just the the age that we're in. And it's going to continue to grow because, like I said, this is the age that we're in and this is just the cycle of the planet right now in this day and time. So as our spiritual technology grows, we're going to be able to have better and bigger inputs into what AI does to the point, I believe, where it's non-existent, where it's not even necessary. Because our spirit technology is going to be so powerful, we won't even need it. And so as we're thinking about technology, think about, of course, the physical aspects of the AI, the physical aspects of the technology, but also consider the spirit aspects of technology. And as the metaphysical master, I have to leave us with that point for sure. We have to always think about who are we as divine beings, as conscious beings, as soul beings, as light beings, as spirit beings. What does that technology look like? What can you imagine for yourself in that regard? That is something to really think about, to really dwell upon, meditate on, reflect upon. And so with that, I really want to thank you all again for joining me today for the Metaphysics Millennial Podcast. Um, I invite you to share this episode with a friend, like it, comment, and definitely subscribe to our channel. Uh, The Metaphysics Millennial has its own social media following and also my personal I am Erin Patton social media following. And of course, check in with the Metabusiness world what we have in terms of our offerings. We're at www.erinpatton.com. I love you all so much. Peace. Did you really love this episode of the Meta Business Millennial Podcast? Well, I am honored and I appreciate you subscribing, leaving a review and sharing it with your friends because your feedback allows us to co-create more enlightened conversations. And if you're interested in growing your soul now, head over to my website, erinpatton.com, to find all the show notes, links, and free resources to get your energy activated today. In the meantime, stay bright, my friends. Much love and light. Peace.